Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Austria's finest naturally authentic pumpkin seed oil from the Steiermark, available at OrganicUniverse.com. Listeners of The Organic View can receive a dollar off their purchase by using the coupon code ORGVIEW. For more promotional offers, please visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. And don't forget to check out our contest section. On today's show, Tom and I are going to talk to scientist Dr. Jonathan Lundgren about a recent talk he gave at the North American Beekeeping Conference and Trade Show about honeybees and what the true reality facing the bees is. First, I'd like to welcome to the show my co-host, Colorado beekeeper Tom Theobald. Good afternoon, Tom. Good afternoon, June, from sunny Colorado. And Tom, how are things going with the bees? Well, nothing's really changed. We're into a brief warm spell again, so it'll probably be in the low 60s today, and the bees will have a little flight time. But uh, overall, it's been a, a very disastrous winter in terms of colony losses thus far. Can you explain to our listeners that are not beekeepers why that is? Well, I believe that a major player in these colony losses are the neonicotinoids. What we've seen is uh, colonies that seem to be healthy at the end of summer collapsing in September, and those that survived that collapse went into the cold period underpopulated and couldn't withstand the cold, and we've lost considerably more because of the cold. So. Um, we, we don't really have an, a true assessment yet, and we have a very varied group of beekeepers, so it's hard to to run the statistics. But my general impression is that this is going to be a disastrous winter, and the losses are going to be very, very high. I'm sorry to hear that, Tom. And, folks, if you are listening and you do have a commercial beekeeping operation, we'd really like to hear from you. So please reach out to us at questions at theorganicview.com. Now for our guest today, Dr. Jonathan Lundgren. He's been on the show before, and he is a hero in the beekeeping community. And for those of you that are not familiar with him, uh, we're going to be talking to him in a minute. He actually stood up and was one of the first scientists in America to actually do so and actually left to start his own venture called Blue Dasher Farm. So I'd like to welcome to the show Dr. Jonathan Lundgren. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Doing really, really well. Uh, What a difference a year makes, huh? I'm so glad to hear from you, and I'm so glad to hear that things are going well, and I do look forward to spending some time talking to you about that at a later point, but it's it's so great that you took the time out today to talk about this talk that you gave at the North American Beekeeping Conference. But before we begin, Dr. Lundgren, can you just take a minute and talk about Blue Dasher Farm? Right. Well, what we're trying to do is um, many of the challenges that the planet are facing, and certainly the bee die-off is one of those, are related to our food production system. 
And so what we're trying to do is bring science and education and demonstration to reforming how we produce food, where we, where we rely, again, on ecological principles, um, biodiversity, and soil health in ways that promote so many different things, not the least of which is the nutrient value of our food. Um, so uh, working directly with farmers, beekeepers, as well as, um, as well as conducting cutting-edge science in order to remove hurdles so that we can start to transform things. Can you share some of the highlights of your presentation from the conference? Sure. Um, I think that the central message was colony collapse has been going on for a long time. Uh, We've invested millions and millions of dollars into researching. And just like Tom just said, I mean, the bees are just continuing to die. And my central uh, thought is that that's because in a lot of ways, this isn't a bee problem. This is a problem with the simplification of our food production system and an over-reliance on agrochemicals to produce our food. And if you solve that problem, which seems disconnected, but when you solve that problem, then suddenly the bees are going to have you know abundant food again in the environment. They're going to have reduced exposures to pesticides and other agrochemicals. which then, you know, fosters their own immune system to resist things like uh, pests and diseases that that seem to be the final hammer that crush a colony. Um, And that's a little bit different perspective. It requires, requires, uh, number one, that the beekeepers really start working with farmers and, and having strong relationships with farmers and singing the praises loud as they can for the folks that are doing things right and start making these farmers into the heroes that they are. Um, in so many ways, the farmers, the innovative farmers in this country are, are, are doing things that, you know, in spite of the science and the policies uh, that, that maintain the current paradigm in food production, large monocultures that are supported by things like glyphosate and, and, and neonicotinoid seed treatments and genetically modified crops, as well as chemical fertilizers. Um, these guys are totally innovating that. Where We find that when you rely, again, on Mother Nature and producing food, that, that a lot of the reliance on these other chemicals just don't, don't matter anymore. I mean, you just don't have to, you don't have to invest so much of your bottom line into that. So... The beekeepers have a, a unique opportunity for, because of the press coverage that they've been getting, to really start to bridge that gap between the farming community and and incentivizing and and showing the farming community, you know, those jewels that are out there who are doing things right. Dr. Lundgren, some of our listeners have written in and said, well, if we eliminate neonicotinoids aren't we going to bring back even worse chemicals? What do you say about that? I think that that's a very, very real possibility. I mean, neonicotinoids are between five to 10,000 times more toxic to honeybees than DDT was, but it could get worse. And, um, and really, in my opinion, neonicotinoids aren't the central problem. They're, they're a symptom of a problem. There's a perceived need there for those neonicotinoid seed treatments. Well, we need to change that perception. 
and the way you do that is by putting empowering farmers giving them alternatives so that they they come to the realization that they don't need to be relying on on these agrochemical inputs that that's hurting them more than it's helping them right now the only marketing that happens is from seed dealers and chemical companies who have the ear of their customer base and and understandably that's if that's the only source of information that farmers get then guess what i mean that's 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 going to be their their reality so we need to change that dr lundgren what uh, what have we seen in terms of movement in the farm community away from the uh, the high chemical input agriculture is has it been significant I think so. I think certainly the organic sector is starting to grow. But what's really exciting to me is what what's being called regenerative farming. Um, this relies on no-till systems um, that that always leave uh, living roots in the soil. They rely on things like intercrops and cover crops within that system, and then also integrating in animals and multiple revenue streams into a single into a single enterprise. These guys are changing the way farming happens. I mean, they're not necessarily organic and they'll occasionally use an agrochemical when they need to, but that's okay sometimes, you know? I mean, I think that as their system begins to heal, that they they just eliminate those from their operations, not through ideological belief systems, but rather through just a good business decision. If you don't have to pay out for all of these chemistries, then – that means more for your the farmer and his family. I have a related question, and it has to do with the neonicotinoids, because my experience is I think the neonicotinoids are a major player in the losses that we're seeing. And one of the remedies that's been recommended repeatedly is habitat improvement. And my question is just what is the state of the habitat you did uh, published a study last year where your your plots adjacent to both uh, conventional crops and organic crops were contaminated with the neonicotinoids. And my question is, how widespread do you think the habitat contamination is? I, I think it's extensive, and I don't think we have much habitat to work with. I think this planting of uh, bee attractive plants is going to create additional killing fields. Can you uh, reflect on that for me a little? Yeah, and that was another real central point in my talk down in Galveston. I agree with you. Um, I think that neonicotinoids are definitely harming bees. The data is crushing to this to this regard. I mean, most aspects of the life histories of honeybees are adversely affected um, by these neonicotinoid seed treatments. So um, habitat, if we, all we do is we increase the, the number of flowers within these habitats without reducing or uh, using um, pesticides more, more judiciously, then, then we may be actually creating sinks rather than sources of, of, uh, of habitat for our bees. Uh, we're evaluating that on a wider scale now. We, we looked in, in organic farms, 
through in our region found that they were almost universally contaminated. Well, they were universally contaminated. Um, and uh, now we're looking at um, grassland habitats and other native um, nature preserves and things like that to see whether or not um, some of our endangered species, like the rusty patch, bumblebee, and the Dakota skipper, and which is a little butterfly species, whether or not they've got habitat in order to try to survive too. It's a daunting issue. It's a daunting issue. And that's one of the reasons why I, I really push this. You know, I mean, we need a systems level change. We can't just be partitioning each little problem that's affecting the bees, you know, siloing the varroa and uh, siloing the, the insecticide issue uh, or the forage issue. It's, it's all one problem. And that's the diversification of our, of our agro ecosystems. Isn't Blue Dasher a, a butterfly? It's a dragonfly. Dragonfly. But also an important species of conservation concern, right? Because dragonflies are such a positive indicator of, of uh, wetland health and, and, and ecosystem services, like predation. Dr. Lundgren, we have some, what of a division in the beekeeping community in that we have a, a faction of the beekeepers who believe that it's varroa, 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 and that attitude is uh, encouraged by the chemical industry. Yeah, and no, I think you're absolutely right, Tom. I think, um, and I tried to bring that up in Galveston too, uh, and I, I may have fired some of the audience, but I think it needed to be said, they needed to be hearing this, is that, you know, uh, when farmers are addicted to chemicals, um, who wins in that scenario? And and it isn't the farmers, right? The the addict is not the the winner in an addiction scenario. It's the people who are selling them the drugs, and that's definitely the case within our our food production system as well. And who is it that's winning in this situation? I'll bet you you can bet your ass that they're that they're trying to convince the beekeepers that varroa are killing their bees. And it's not to say that the varroa isn't a problem. But I think the varroa is a problem because of the other stressors, and neonicotinoids are one of those. Yeah, I think the uh, neonicotinoids and other pesticides potentiate the mites. At least that's been my experience. And uh, as with regards to the farmers, this isn't agronomy, it's marketing. It's yeah. not the farmers who are benefiting from this. No, it's not. It's not. And they're starting to realize that, too. Um, the farmers don't want to be dumping this stuff out there. I, I, I truly believe that, you know, that the, they understand that at least at that level, but they just feel trapped and, and we're trying to provide them another solution. That's good. Dr. Lundgren, in regards to the new administration, I know nobody has any answers, but if there are folks from the new administration that are listening to this program, what advice would you have to offer them? Um, I think that we need to incentivize innovation within our food production system, but that's going to solve so many of these planetary scale problems that we're facing right now. By innovation, I mean a long, I'm not talking about developing a new jug that we can dump into our food. It requires that we, that we understand the ecological basis for how systems work and, and, and remove hurdles to the farmers who are doing things right. Um, that's going to really help with the bee problem, too. Thank you. Dr. Lundgren, can you just take a moment and share your website with our listeners? 
Absolutely. If uh, if you guys are interested in independent science being done on these issues, uh, that is what we're trying to provide, and we're entirely grassroots funded uh, from the bottom up. Uh, what we've done has never been done before. Uh, website is www.bluedasher.farm, um, and go ahead, check us out, and uh, think about supporting this if you if you think it's important. Dr. Lundgren, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today, and I do look forward to having you coming back to share with our listeners what it's been like since your tenure at the USDA and your venture into Blue Dasher Farm. It's just such a wonderful news to hear that you're doing so well, and I know many of our listeners will be very excited to learn more about it. Well, um, over the last year, we, we've built a research facility. Um, the walls were there, but nothing else. Um, and all of that was crowdfunded uh, by people from around the world who believed in what we were trying to do. So the students are doing great projects on honeybee conservation, as well as risk assessment of um, pesticides on various aspects of the environment. Um, we're also trying to develop solutions there. But what's been really transformative for me is that in order to try to accommodate the beekeepers and the farmers that are kind of on the front lines, I can give advice all day long, right? And and as a scientist, that's, you know, I mean, that's often what we do. But until I've walked, walked a mile in their shoes, I can honestly tell you that I didn't understand the full extent of, of what these what these men and women face on a daily basis. And so we became, I became a farmer and a beekeeper this year. And uh, I have never learned so much so quickly. It has been, uh, it has been an incredible experience for me. So I hope it makes me a better servant for the folks who, who need the science and, and uh, education programs. So we definitely need more people like you. And once again, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Yes, I want to thank, oh, thank you, Dr. Lundgren, for once again being so generous with your time. I know you've got a lot on your plate. <laughs> thank you guys so much. This is great. And, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Please check out the companion article, which will appear on theorganicview.com. Once again, if you have any questions, please reach out to us at questions at theorganicview.com.